and welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories. I'm your host, Brian Davis. For this week's episode, we're going to talk about our favorite black and white movies. Now, this was really difficult for me personally because I'm a huge fan of movies from the 30s and the 40s. So I couldn't just simply name all my favorites from that era because it, it just wouldn't make sense. However, I wanted to pick movies where I felt they truly benefited from being in black and white. Um, you know, in the 80s, Ted Turner kind of had this idea that he was going to change all these classic black and white movies to color. And you'll remember seeing, you know, It's a Wonderful Life in Color or I Love Lucy episodes in color. And it just didn't have the same effect as the classic black and white because the shadows are different. The mood is different. Just the way they uh, film the movie is different. So, I'm going to give you my top five list of the movies that I think really benefited from black and white. Okay, so number five on my list of favorite black and white movies is going to be an oddball for most folks, but I'll explain why I picked it. It is The Shaggy Dog from 1959. This is the original Disney version, and it's in black and white. And so you might think, well, this is a Disney movie. Why would it benefit from being in black and white? Well, the movie is definitely not scary, but there's a certain eeriness, especially with the main character turning into the dog, and there's kind of like, this like mystical, almost Egyptian uh, theme going around. So it, it does actually add a little bit of tension to the movie, where I just don't think it would have been the same if it was in color. It's also one of my favorite non-animated Disney movies. I always enjoyed Fred McMurray, and I love dogs, so it's a winner to me. And I always liked the classic monster movies and was always fascinated by how like the Wolfman would change from a human to a wolf before your eyes. And you basically get to see the same thing in the original Shaggy Dog. But obviously the outcome isn't as terrifying. The story is fun and the cast of teenagers are just great with uh, Tommy Kirk, who was in a lot of early Disney movies, Annette Funicello, uh, Kevin Corcoran, and Roberta Shore. So I always used to laugh how Moochie, that's Kevin Corcoran, would always call Tommy Kirk boy <laughs> like he was a real dog and not his older brother. Number four is the original Dracula from 1931. And to me, this is the definitive version of Dracula. Nobody is better than Bela Lugosi at playing the Dracula character. His voice, his eyes, his mannerisms, he is the best. And while I think that Nosferatu from 1922 is a creepier movie due to Mass Shrek's uh, appearance and makeup, the Bela Lugosi version of Dracula is definitely chilling in its own way, and the lack of a musical score in the background is really unique. Every noise and bit of dialogue is clearly heard. And really, this is where the shadows and the creepiness and how Bela Lugosi almost just comes out of the shadows, I think really benefits from being in black and white. So in addition to Bela Lugosi, Dwight Fry is brilliant as a psychotic Renfield. And I also like to creep out everyone around with Dwight Fry's laugh. You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. or I'll randomly quote Dracula when a dog is howling outside like, listen to them, children of the night, what music they make. Yeah, I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why, he's mad. Look at his eyes. Why, the man's gone crazy. Number three on my list for favorite black and white movies is Double Indemnity from 1944. This is one where I think film noir in general is benefits from being in black and white just because of the moodiness and the way things are lit and the shadows. That really plays into this. And I don't think film noir... Um, 
you know, there's things called neo-noir. We have movies like Chinatown, but it's those classic movies from the 40s that I think really uh, define the genre. So I first saw Double Indemnity in a film class in college, and I actually took the class in summer to fill out my elective requirements, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my love of classic movies, and especially film noir, began. You know, I always knew Fred McMurray, who was the main character, as the lovable uh, Disney character. You know, whether he was in The Shaggy Dog or The Absent-Minded Professor, so it was really kind of odd to see him play kind of a a heavy character, uh, not necessarily a great guy. And then you mix this in with the really stunning Barbara Stanwyck, and she plays the femme fatale, which is key in any film noir movie. And then the always awesome Edward G. Robinson, who just makes this a brilliant story even that much better. So, again, if you haven't seen uh, film noir or a classic film noir, this is one of the best to check out, and it really benefits from being in black and white. All right, number two on my list is Young Frankenstein, or Frankenstein, from 1974. And this is really where the genius of Mel Brooks kicks in. They very easily could have made this in color since it did come out in the modern era of film, but the movie was supposed to be a tribute and a parody of the early Frankenstein and the universal horror film. So adding the black and white touch just made this better and add an authenticity that I don't think it would have had if it was in color. Um, so again, Young Frankenstein borrows heavily from the original first three Frankenstein films. And after watching Son of Frankenstein from 1939, not too long ago, it seems like a lot of the references come from that particular movie, like Igor, otherwise known as Igor, and the inspector with the wooden arm. They're all in Son of Frankenstein. Everyone in this in this film is amazing. Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle, Cloris Leachman, Terry Garr, Madeline Kahn, and Gene Hackman, who plays the blind man who eventually burns down his, his place because Frankenstein, well, you'd have to see it. Anyway, Marty Feldman is really the one that steals the show as Igor, and every time he's on screen, it's comedy gold. And here's a fun fact for you classic rock fans. Aerosmith's classic song and major hit, Walk This Way, and its title were directly inspired by Young Frankenstein, specifically the scene where Igor says, Walk This Way, and Gene Wilder follows him by walking with the same affected gait as Igor. All right, number one on my list for favorite black and white movie is the same as my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movie, and that is Psycho from 1960. They could have made this in color. However, (laughs) I don't think it would have passed the censors because just simply the shower scene alone where you're seeing the blood, what you think is blood, going down the drain was actually chocolate syrup. I don't think they could have got away with it. But even things like the, you know, the haunted house or, or the Bates mansion, um, you know, with, with Mrs. Bates coming, you know, running down, running at the inspector at, at, with a knife and everything. I, there's a certain tension and eeriness and creepiness that the black and white uh, film really uh, accentuates that I just don't think it would have been, it would have been, 
almost easier and a cop out and not as creepy if it was in color. So I think, you know, if you really want to do things the right way, especially with this film, you should leave it in black and white. And I'm, you know, that's why I don't think the remakes were as good. I think the original Psycho um, really benefits from being in black and white. Not to mention the 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 score of just the screeching violins, which really adds tension to the film. All right, that's my quick top five list. Let's get into everyone else's picks, and I'll come back and wrap this all up. Sarah's back, <laughs> and we're going to do your favorite black and white movie. Now, this okay. is actually more difficult. It was than really we, difficult, because yeah. I'm not like you, and I don't have all the old school, like... That's okay, though. You know, film noir No, I, stuff. I interview but, a wide range of people, and... And some of... Has, what if there's somebody who's never seen a black and white film? Then they probably can't be on the podcast. They've had to have seen The Wizard of Oz, and that was like At the least. first 15 minutes of the yeah. movie. Yeah. So, um, uh, my... Narrow down to two. My first... Yeah. Being a one that's kind of nostalgic was, uh, which I probably should watch again now that I'm older too, mm-hmm. just to, is The Elephant Man. Yeah. Because that was kind of fascinating. And, and like I do now, I did then, I things that were based on true stories, I was fascinated yeah. by, you know. Um, so just kind of added to the creepiness of it. Plus it's, it was an older movie to me. It seemed, when right. was that made? 1980. Like, <laughs> Shut up. But that's why it's, Fuck. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like 1950s. It seemed so old to me but when I saw it. I think this it. is why this is a good pick because even though it was kind of modern, right. it, you felt old. Right, and that's totally. that's black did. and white work. Well, I was, yeah. what, in 1980 I was six. Yeah. No, four, no, I'm sorry. I was four. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have seen, I probably saw it at like 10. Yeah, that yeah. seemed so I, when I caught part of it just recently, I was like, Anthony Hopkins is yeah. so young. Yeah, he's got the thin. beard. Yeah. And yeah. So it was really, you know, it was probably one of my, just kind of added to the spookiness. But my other film that I couldn't imagine it any other way and I, is, is Psycho, yeah. uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Does mm-hmm. he have any movies that weren't in black and white? That weren't? Yeah. Oh, yeah, plenty. So like The Birds. Oh, and... I think Vertigo. Was that in color? No. And, yeah. Okay. And I remember Rear seeing Window. Yeah, so right. most of his later ones, North by Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Psycho, you know, was already controversial because it was like, oh, you're showing a woman in the shower and right. blah, blah, blah. But um, did they have the option back then to do that in color or was it not quite? I think he made a conscious decision to make this. In well, he made a good decision yeah. because it added to like, I think it probably wouldn't have been as creepy as much. You know? I agree. And, the and house. As, and, yeah, yeah. And the cross-dressing mother weird, uh-huh. you know what I mean? It's like it wouldn't have come across as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Have you? There, I was. I saw something. Some site where they took old black and white films and then color or pictures. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. photographs, and then colored them. And it's like it. It totally changes your perspective. Of well, it. there was a whole thing with Ted Turner where he was colorizing movies at like uh, back in the '80s and everything. And right. really, I, I hate those versions. It, right. Well, it looks, looks weird. Like weird. Like seeing Lucy, even though I knew she had red hair. Right. It was just jarring right. to yeah. hear with you're right hair. totally yeah. so i mean to see actual blood in the shower or the hershey syrup yeah. in the psycho yeah, would have right. been, you know a little bit difficult but yeah it is funny because you also when seeing a black and white film you yeah you kind of have in your head a different idea and then if you when you see it later you're like oh i didn't their complexion was like that yeah that's not, that's not so good yeah i don't like that well it's also seeing movies in hd now Oh, Sometimes God. it's like, oh, God. Yeah, you're like, yeah. I don't need to see that. Yeah. And nobody got time for that. <laughs> no. So it's not working out. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. I really need to up my um, black, and, black white. and white films because 
I'm sure there's many more that I just. I think you'd like film noir, like the old detective, right. the femme fatales. Right. Yeah. I have them all Netflix logged mm-hmm. and stuff. So. That's right. I gave this to you mm-hmm. a long time ago. I yeah. have a couple of them. What is it? The was the double Bulldog? indemnity. Laura yeah. something like there's a couple. Sc- there's a movie speech. called Laura. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's mm-hmm. is it Betty Davis in that? No, it's uh, Jean Tierney. Okay, what's a Betty Baby All Jane? Oh, what? Oh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? That's black that's and what, white. Yes. And okay. Well, yeah. let me just let me just on a side note. Yeah. Every episode of the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. which I'm a all black and white. That's true. Huge fan. Yeah. I know that's not a movie, but if every New Year's Day mm-hmm. they'll marathon like. 48 hours of all. It's genius. And uh, the old Alfred Hitchcock show was in Black and White, too. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was kind of strange when he talked. He was very strange. Uh, He sounds nasally. Like somebody (laughs) needed to give him like a vaporizer or nose spray or something. (laughs) Always go out on a funny note. Good job, sir. Okay, we're back with Josephine, and this week we're doing black and white movies. So this is as broad <laughs> as it gets, um, because there are some recent black and white movies, mm-hmm. like The Artist and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. even Clerks was black and white, which yes. I forgot about. Yeah. So those all qualify. However, I think you have more of the classic Hollywood black and white. Yes, and it's it's relatively short. It's just mm-hmm. I just don't see a lot of black and white movies, not because I'm opposed to them at all. I just don't make up a lot of But you love TCM them. movies, so you can... I love TCM yeah. movies. Yeah, a lot of these are, are TCM, mm-hmm. prob- are probably shown on TCM. Yeah. Um, so my first one, it's my always and forever movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's The Apartment. I can't not Was that in it. black and white? Yeah. God, yes. I have to go back and watch it. Yes. It's been so long since yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... It's just got everything. I mean, I remember when I first saw it, I thought it was romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the part where she very, very nearly kills herself. Yeah. And it just gets really real, real fast. And it's just, I just love the the emotional arc that they both take. And yeah. I, I realize that a lot of my favorite movies, especially romantic ones, are where both characters, like the, the two love interests, they, it's equally their movie. It's right. equally their, their story. It's yeah. interesting about movies, at least way back when, um, even when they were comedies, there seemed to be drama mixed in. Like uh, Dinner at Eight, they always call it like this great comedy. And to me, it's more drama and more sad than comedy because you have mm. these really depressing people. Mm. There are comedic elements, but I don't know why they call it a comedy. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So. so the other one is Gaslight. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Yeah. It's a fantastic one. I remember when I watched it, I was like, ooh, Ingrid Bergman, because all you hear about is how she's, you know, this great beauty, and yeah. I saw her in Notorious, and she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I was really impressed with her acting in Gaslight. Yes. She's just phenomenal. And you know it. who makes their film debut in that? Angela Lansbury. Very good, hey. yes. Very, I, she had, I, I want to say she was like 18, 17 yeah. or 18. She was yeah, very young. Yeah, and Charles yeah. Boyer is so vicious in that movie. So he it's, deserved it, whatever, it, yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Um, it's it's almost like a Hitchcock movie in many ways. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and I love that, I mean, she was kind of quote-unquote rescued, but I think she did the bulk of of the, I would quote-unquote work. Yeah, the yeah. discovery and mm-hmm. the work and just kind of climbing out of that that pit that she was kind of pulled under. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. Joseph Cotton's almost kind of downplay. He downplays his role in that. It's like mm-hmm. he's there, but it's really her. I mean, yeah. she carries the film. Yeah, so. which I love. Yeah. 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 
So the next one is, um, as we were talking about, I remembered another yeah. one, which is a comedy with uh-huh. Jack Lemmon, which is Some Like It Hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Marilyn Monroe. And that's one of the reasons I love Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. I think he really can do anything. He can do the drama. Yeah. He can do Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm-hmm. He can do, was it Missing? Yes. Yeah. And he can do Some Like It Hot. Yeah. And he can do The Apartment. So he's just amazing in that. Marilyn Monroe is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tony Curtis. Yeah. Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. And I also remember it. Because I think Jack Lemmon's character's name is Josephine. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, say, I think any girl named Josephine mm-hmm. will remember any book or movie where a character well, has her name. <laughs> yeah. Because it just kind of makes you think, oh, I'm not alone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after that is um, Oh, Camille with Greta Garbo and Robert mm-hmm. Taylor. Yes. Love that story. Um, Brief Encounter. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, my two favorite black and white movies, A uh, Letter to Two or Three Wives, which, which we talked about last before, uh-huh. yeah. And my other favorite is Random Harvest, yeah. which I discovered watching a special on TCM. Mm-hmm. And then I lost my mind. Had to had to had to um, rent it. And I think the person um, talking about it was saying that what what kind of hooked me in was when they said that she. She's, Greer Garson. Greer, yeah, yeah Greer mm-hmm. Garson. When she um, she realizes that her husband has gotten amnesia and she takes a job as a secretary just to be with him and they share this scene where she's just looking at him, hoping he'll remember her. Yeah. She's just like so much hope and he's just kind of like going about his, his yeah. business. Yeah. And then I ha- and then I saw it at the Stanford Theater, which... Mm-hmm. Oh, it it's always great. the best place to yeah, see a movie. Really yeah. great experience. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I think we were talking about this, how um, people tend to think of old movies that are very kind of a, a, a certain style of acting or mm-hmm. overacting or speaking. And in this, yeah, they, they do do that. And yet the acting is so subtle where yeah. they telegraph so much emotion with really subtle gestures. Yeah. And um, yeah, so should I talk a little bit about the, the plot? It's sure. Not, I'm not giving anything away. No, so. no, no. And it's also the lighting too. That's the one thing about black and white movies that it, the lighting was as much as of a character mm. as anything else like that could help your part emotion. of the character development yeah and i think plot along. color kind of you lost a little bit of that you know that that moodiness mm. that could be found in lighting yeah now i'm gonna rewatch it i know like, see oh. yeah so um so oh my god well i'll just call him by her name sure. by, by the name smithy mm-hmm. so this guy he um it's right after world war one and he has amnesia he ends up in this hospital mm-hmm. and he's just He's treated fine, but he's just incredibly kind of lonely and lost. And he escapes from the hospital, meets Greer Garson. They kind of fall in love, and since he's they're, then since they're, the hospital's looking for him, they kind of escape to this remote village in the English countryside and just kind of like fall in love. And it's beautiful. And three years later, they're they're you know he wants to be a writer and mm-hmm. he's a secretary. And then um, he goes off um, on an interview, hits his head again completely forgets about her but remembers his life before he met her Mm -hmm. and so basically they're they're both playing two different characters and you have to believe that they are really the same person and they both achieve that and it's just fantastic and also this movie spans i think just under 20 years yeah which is i think kind of rare but i love those movies because you really see how a character like grows Uh and uh, you know, it's just it, I just find that all the more moving. You mm-hmm. know, when they kind of like, come back together. Yeah, and, yeah. It's just the the main actor is Ronald Coleman. Mm-hmm. And did you ever see uh, Lost Horizon? 
No. Yeah, that's a really good one too. It's okay. kind of like a fantasy type movie. They're they're playing crashes and end up in this this world that nobody knows about. I don't know if it's up in the Himalayas or something like that, but it's like this wonderland. Okay. And uh, they don't like outside people because outside people always ruin everything. You know? Right. So it's interesting. So if you enjoy Ronald Coleman, that's definitely one to, yeah. to check out. He. Yeah. I mean, they're both fantastic. Oh, they're great together. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a great yeah. one. Yeah, so I think that's it. Yeah. All right, people, go watch your black and white movies. Hooray, <laughs> <laughs> Enrique's back. Hi. This week, we're going to do our favorite black and white movies. Now, they don't have to be classics from the 30s or 40s. They can be newer uh, black and white movies, though there aren't that many, but yeah. uh, I'm curious to hear uh, what your choices are for your favorite black and white movies. Yeah, um, well, I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge Steve McQueen, and I'm a huge Steve McQueen fan mm-hmm. growing up. I loved him. My who's my grandmother's like crush when she was sure. little, so she mm-hmm. always introduced me to all his movies, and I actually got introduced to him um, when we studied. Uh, World War Two. So the Great Escape. Yeah, yeah. and Anchors Away as mm-hmm. well. It's uh, really interesting. He did a lot of really interesting movies. He did. There was one that was specifically interesting with um, Natalie Wood mm-hmm. called Love with a Proper Stranger. Yeah. And it was so it resonated with me so much because it was like. I forgot very, that was in black and white. It was in black yeah. and white, and it was very like, progressive for the time. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, was it the 60s? 64. 64, okay, yeah. I think. I don't know. You'll okay, have to that's, fact okay. Check yeah. me on that. <laughs> that's okay, close enough. But it was kind of surprising. I saw it because I wanted to see like him do like a romance movie. Yeah. And 63. Uh, 63, mm-hmm. okay. And um, I watched it, and it was actually pretty like socially progressive. I mean... Mm-hmm. They have like a one night stand, which is very, very um, controversial. Risque back then. Yeah. She comes to him, says, "I'm pregnant." Um, there's a whole like conversation had about abortion, and, and wow, she goes to get an abortion, mm-hmm. and it's like this really sketchy, like back alley, like how they used to perform them. Yep. So it was kind of like starting the conversation about how sketchy that. Yeah. That was for women not mm-hmm. to have a choice. And she was an Italian woman. Mm-hmm. And her whole, you know, situation of being kind of told what to do all the time, who to love, who not to love, right. and this kind of stuff. And then it kind of, it, their, their chemistry was also really great. And it was very beautifully shot mm-hmm. in black and white. And mm. yeah, I really liked that movie. I thought it was so good. Do you know what Steve McQueen's debut movie is? Um, it's in color. It's in color. I don't. Oh um, wait, no. It's I don't so know. campy, but you'll, you'll. It's it's fun. The Blob. The original. No blob. way. That's of course. His, and so he's playing a teenager, but he's really like, I don't yeah. know, twenty six or of something course, like that. Yeah. Of course. I remember. I remember yeah. now. That's it's such I thought a great the movie. The Blob was in black and white. No, no it I was. did too it because a, it's this big jelly. Thing. Yeah, and I red. always envisioned it as like purple. Yeah. But I saw it when I was little. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It me. is kind of purplish. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think the posters were in color. Yes. And that's my what was sticking mm-hmm. sticking with me. But no, it's definitely color. I, what was his last his last one with things? Pap- 
Papillon? Papillon? Yeah, I believe he, so. He died in a motorcycle accident. He did. Um, do you, I'm sure you've seen Bullet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that you live in the Bay Area, it's definitely it's relevant. The streets. Oh, yeah. Streets of San Francisco. It's so cool. I love that. He was in a lot of great movies. He was um, so smart yeah. with his choices. He was. He was underrated, I mm-hmm. think. Well, maybe not. Maybe he was valued. But he's underrated for me. Like, all the, the actors of that time that had, like, a lasting impact, he's not usually on the list. Yeah, but he should be. I mean, but he, he was be. one of the top leading men. I mean, right up there with Newman and... And, uh, yeah, but he, he he did like I don't know like pro- socially progressive mm-hmm. think pieces like you don't right. even realize they're think pieces. Mm-hmm. He, he did a lot of like really good quality like cultural films. Sure, um, he was in God, it's um, it was like a Jewel Thief movie that was then remade with Pierce Brosnan. Is in the Great Escape. In the Great, yeah, yeah. I can't. I don't remember that. the Pierce Brosnan movie. Yeah, it was a remake, and now I can't. It's, it's something. It's it would be one of the best heist movies. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to edit this all out. That's okay. Yes. No worries. So that's one of my favorite black and whites. Um, the mm-hmm. other one is new, and it kind of follows a similar theme, which mm-hmm. I'm noticing. It's weird that my love for this new movie kind of echoes my love for. Love with a Proper Stranger. Uh-huh. And, well, it's different and the same. It's called Blue Jay. And oh. Sarah Paulson mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Duplass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you say his last name. I but don't he know. wrote it. And um, it was shot in black and white. It was mm-hmm. extremely low budget. It's an indie movie. Mm-hmm. came out in 2016. Oh, wow. Okay. And Sarah Paulson is a genius, by the way. If, you let, if you're like thinking about learning more about acting and like mm-hmm. need a master class is Sarah Paulson is just incredible. Uh-huh. But the cool thing about that movie is it was largely unscripted. Really? Uh, yeah. So Mark had like an idea. He had these characters in mind mm-hmm. and he knew he wanted to shoot it in black and white to kind of be like a dark, like character piece mm-hmm. about these two high school sweethearts who kind of, went their separate ways and then spent like a weird weekend together, like having like a nostalgic journey through their past. They like met up by happenstance Mm. and it gets really dark and like kind of weird. And you learn about how they broke up and also involved getting pregnant and having an abortion and like Mm. the woman kind of taking that away from him without his consent. And like Mm. the, the, the dynamic of the relationship being kind of like, ruined from that moment mm-hmm. forth and then they get reunited later and what did that mean to them in their lives and all this kind of cool how did you hear thematic about stuff um well i have a friend who i went to college with who's an acting major mm-hmm. she's an actor now um she her name's jenna levine you might mm-hmm. you can promote her i don't know <laughs> i went to uh, carnegie mellon okay um, there's a lot of actors i went to school with a lot of like sure obnoxious actors who are now like famous and they, I'm still friends with them on Facebook. I'm not like friends with them, yeah. but I can like. They share. Well, you like, got to get them on the podcast, right? Call up my ex college. It could be your family reunion or your high school reunion, right? College, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, college reunion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she uh, is a huge Sarah Paulson. Oh, okay. Fan. Is I guess friends with her, hmm. not friends with her, but did like you see the OJ Simpson miniseries? Yes, amazing. oh my god, she's she's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. She was Marsha Clark. I mean, she was. Oh god, it was so good, mm-hmm. so good. I just love her. And anyway, so yeah, she shared that movie. Mm-hmm. And as an actor, 
I can see why you love it. Yeah. If you're like a, I don't know, like a action or a film like creation enthusiast, you mm-hmm. might not like it. But if you like storytelling, like yeah, how actors can really go into characters mm-hmm. because because it's so it's largely improvised. There's yeah. not really a script. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing that when you watch it kind of makes you enjoy it more. Because you're like, how are they doing this? Yeah. They're just like improving these whole scenes. Well, actually, some of the best scripted movies have little subtle touches that were improv. You know, like yeah, the famous so. uh, in The Shining, the Here's Johnny. Yeah, that, wasn't That's in all it. Jack. That's all Jack. So, yeah, I mean, I. Um, but you, to your point, a, a whole movie of that would be really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he basically wrote, like, okay, this is the scene. Mm. Go. Um, That's great. Yeah. And it's so cool. Yeah. I really. And he's in it, he's the star. So it's like he also mm-hmm. has an, a good idea of what he wants to happen. So he can drive it that way. But It's almost like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curse yeah, that's kind I, of like that too. Funny though, yeah. I hate Kirby. Really? Yeah. But you're not a big Seinfeld fan either. But I've never yeah. been. A, I like Larry David like, yeah. as a man mm-hmm. and like as a, a father comedian, yeah. and like a comedian. But I never liked his writing and his lack of writing. No, no, no. <laughs> I okay. didn't enjoy it. Uh, so the Stephen Queen movie I was thinking of is the Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, I know. I haven't uh, even heard of it. You might, if you like heist. I, I remember movies, seeing yeah. it like in his filmography, but okay. I, I don't. I never watched. If it. you enjoy heist films, you you might. You know who love my fiance loves heist movies. Thomas Crown we'll, Affair. We'll so try it. that one and then the Pierce Brosnan. So okay. Like it, so. Thank it. you, Enrica. No problem. Okay, for this week with Malin, we're going to do black and white movies. And so you always have a great thorough list, <laughs> whatever subject it may be. So I'm really curious to hear... Uh, your favorite black and white movies. Yeah, so this one's really tough because I think I kind of grew up on black and white films. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Black and white and horror films. Again, it's that, like, after Saturday morning cartoons, there were, like, movies. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them were black and white. Actually, I think that's how I got introduced to the Little Rascals. They would would come on, and it was weird. They are. Yeah. Yeah, depression era type stuff. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen them since I was a kid, but they're I kind of remember it was like thrown in there. It was like how I knew that the that Saturday was changing. Like mm. the, the whole tone of the day would change because you go through like Saturday morning cartoons, mm-hmm. and then there'd be like the little rascals at the end, and that's a little bit grittier. It is, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> they're fun, but yeah. yeah. And, and then usually after that, there'd be like a matinee <laughs> movie, matinee, and yep. then like like a spaghetti western usually. Yeah. And then like a creature feature uh-huh. or like a hammer horror film or something after that. So did you ever get into the uh, Dead End Kids? Like from no, I don't know what that is. Yeah, so they're kind of like the little rascals, a little bit older. I think they're they're not preteen. They're actually teenagers in, oh. in New York. Like in the, and they're like you know, I think they changed. They were either called the Dead End Kids and then they were called something the Bowery Boys. I think they're all kind of the same. I've heard of yeah, them. they're a lot of fun. They have made tons of movies like little hour B films. Okay, and uh, they're on TCM all the time. So if you, you might want to. Check out cable. some of those. Yeah. I'd have to pay I'm for that. Cable, I know. <laughs> I'm sure it's streaming on Netflix, too, on some of them. But, yeah, your list. So Okay, okay. So, uh, for that reason, a lot of my earliest um, black and white favorites are, like, the universal horror films. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but as, like, my tastes have changed over time, mm-hmm. I noticed that, um, and this is probably because I grew up with black and white films, that I don't find them alienating 
um, actually like them quite a bit. And yeah. it's probably because they can be alienating. Mm -hmm. um, and I mentioned a little bit of this, I think, the last time that we got to chat. Uh, was it has a good, it, everything to do with cinema being complete artifice. So it's yeah. completely artificial. And the more realistic a film is, the more it tries to get away from the actual artifice of the film. But mm -hmm. it's always, every time you go into a movie theater or see it on TV screen, the framing of it, if nothing else, situates it as artifice. Well, with black and white films, it's even more apparent that what you're watching is an artificial kind of journey or exploration mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and I really like, in addition to that, that with the medium, uh, if you're going to use it successfully, you have to think about it in different terms. You have to think about it in terms of light and shadow. Mm -hmm. And everything in the image frame becomes much more sculptural, yeah. I think, as a result. Even, like, people walking around, if you look at, like, a still of, like, Dracula or anything, it doesn't look perfectly like a human being. No. It kind of looks like a sculpture of a vampire. And oh. I'm just fascinated with that. Oh, yeah. So with the horror films, like the Universal Studios horror films, mm -hmm. which are amazing, they I are. think the reason... You could argue, admittedly, you could argue that they're hokey by today's standards, but... What they have that I don't think very many other um, horror films have, or really very many color films, is that they are, f I don't know if it's forced, maybe that's a biased way to look back on it, but they use light and shadow to better effect than I think I've seen in a lot of other films. So like Dracula, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Which is definitely on my top five. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. 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 So, so like Dracula... Uh, a lot of the creepiness has to do with, at least for me, that there are so many shadows. Yeah. And he could be coming in and out of like light and shade and shadow. Uh -huh. And because you're already alienated from the artifice of the whatever it is, the mm -hmm. image of it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like he could be even made up of shadows. It's like that ambiguous. Yeah. I just think it's that's not something that you see a lot in current horror films I think right. and I was thinking about this I think that maybe the only times I can think of really good examples of uh, like uh, a frightening entity coming in and out of shadow in that way that you saw back in the 30s is um, Michael Myers oh they yeah used that in good Halloween uh -huh. where like the the next victim is kind yeah. of like facing the screen in like a soap opera yeah. pose um, and the complete darkness behind. Yeah. And Michael Myers, who is kind of a black and white character totally. anyway, yeah. uh, kind of all colored, sucked out of that costume. That's right. Will slowly come out of the background. That's really creepy. Yeah. Usually horror movies depend on a completely different strategy for scaring you, but I think yeah. that's more effective. I agree. When the the creature or the enemy or whatever could be there all the time and could just kind of like materialize out of this like diaphanous crowd of shadows that's, that's around right. you. That's right. Uh, the other place is David Lynch uses it for different ends, but like in Blue Velvet, mm -hmm. um, the first time that you meet Laura Dern's character, she comes out of the shadow on the street mm -hmm. and it's kind of this uh, amazing scene where she comes out of nowhere. And right. It's uh, really probably a discussion for another time, but the way yeah. that that <laughs> creates that character in just... A few footsteps, yeah. literally, of Laura Dern is amazing. It is. Um, one, one of the hokey things about kind of the old Universal films, it, you know, it happened in The Mummy and some of the sequels where yeah. you could definitely tell it was daylight, 
but they were still trying to act like it was nighttime, and, oh, and you just sure. kind of have to suspend belief. But, yeah. but it still works. The Mummy's another one where it's kind of that slow sauntering, and I think that it it helps that it's in black and white. And things, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even the creature from the Black Lagoon, too. Yeah, yeah, all of those. Yeah, underwater it's, scenes. It makes and, the yeah. water look murkier uh-huh. and the distance. Yeah. Like, yeah, creepy. Um, That's all good yeah, stuff. I just watched Frankenstein recently, mm-hmm. and uh, something I might not have caught as a kid, but I caught recently was okay. how obvious the skies and the background in these like studio sets. Yeah. You can see like the paintings. Oh yeah, and the the ripples in the paintings. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I don't know. I wonder if I noticed that as a kid. If I didn't, I was a stupid. This kid. This is where HD really kind of ruined <laughs> yeah, the novelty. Yeah, because yeah, I watched it on like a 62 inch screen. Exactly. You know, so nothing got away. You know, when me. we first watched it on these TV, it's a little box. It's maybe mm-hmm. 18 inches, and yeah, we're not going to notice things like that. But Frankenstein's laboratory. Oh, awesome. Amazing. It is. Like, what's in those nooks and crannies? I know. Um, and all the lightning going off and, yeah. and all that fun stuff, yeah. the lasers. Yeah. And the, that leads me to another favorite film yeah. is Young Frankenstein. Yeah, that's I in my think, top five, too. <laughs> yeah, so I think Young Frankenstein, whether or not it learned from black and white or just mimicked black and white, whatever happened there, it just did such a good job. And it's such a brilliant flipping movie anyway. Yeah. Imminently quotable. The acting is like spot on. Yeah. And for them to be able to recreate the the images and the tone. Totally. And the use of light and shadow mm-hmm. is totally amazing. Yeah. It's like what kind of a slapstick comedy goes to that effort. True. And, you know, today it would just be like you know, thrown together, blue screened or CGI yeah. or whatever, but you can see and feel the texture. It makes it for a completely different movie. Imagine if that were in color. It wouldn't have been as good. How spoiled. Yeah. It, yeah, it would have been ruined. I don't yeah. think it'd be watchable. The, the I mean, jokes would have been the be same, fun. but yeah, the, right. but, but the feel of it, it wouldn't have yeah. been as memorable. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I hear they, um, they used a lot of the set pieces awesome. from the Frankenstein films. So, yeah, yeah I think they really went for it. Was, I think that might have been a Universal film too, so they probably benefited from... Or was it? I don't know I what it was, but check. I, I heard yeah. in an interview okay. uh, not that long ago mm-hmm. that a lot of the set pieces were used um, from the original. That's awesome. Yeah, it definitely it's, paid off. <laughs> yeah, and to me it's just amazing that the set pieces are like still around. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so... Uh, another thing um, with black and white is it's kind of the perfect medium for architecture. So being an architecture nerd, a lot of the films that I like in black and white, it's either because of the artistic artifice and sculptural sense, mm-hmm. um, but also because of the ar- architectural sense. A lot of uh, architecture is photographed in black and white because it conveys shape and shadow and light um, more eloquently, I think. Mm-hmm. I think than color sometimes does. Um, it gives you something that you might not necessarily be seeing when you're distracted by color. By color, yeah. Yeah, and um, so uh, early silent films, um, Phantom of the Opera, yeah. I think that's Universal as well, yep. Hunchback of Notre Dame that mm-hmm. recreated Parisian architectural environments yeah. to you know out of plaster, mm-hmm. these masonry and... Uh, buildings in Paris, uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame and the Paris Opera House are recreated in plaster and wood in L.A., mm-hmm. but they look really, really great. Oh, they do. Really, really great. Yeah. And then the stories are fantastic oh, as well. Yeah. Um, Both Juan Cheney Sr. movies. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So. so good. And I didn't even know. Like, as a kid, I was like, oh, I was totally convinced. Like, 
Yeah, the amount of attention that they pay oh. to architectural detail is absolutely. And then, okay, so swap uh, continents mm -hmm. going over to Europe in the mid, gosh, I think in the, I guess, 30s, mm -hmm. maybe 20s or 30s. I'm not, ugh, you know, I'm terrible. <laughs> but anyway, so like yeah. German expressionism, where yeah. all of these like shapes are being twisted and manipulated. Yeah. Like, how do you get anything out of like the manipulation of space and shape that German expressionism exploring mm -hmm. if you don't use a medium that highlights those relationships and yeah. black and white is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, that going on. And then on top of that, a lot of filmmakers who were interested in architecture, like Fritz Lang, whose father was oh, an yeah. architect uh -huh. and did Metropolis. Oh yeah. So as a super nerdy thing, when I used to um, lecture in architectural history, uh, modern architectural history, I'd usually like bookend the class. We'd show them um, Metropolis at the beginning uh -huh. and this other French film, uh, Playtime by Jacques Tati at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but Metropolis is amazing because uh, architecturally you have these kind of uh, futurist elements. I mean, it's really explicit. It is. Like they're going for the visual and aesthetic designs of modern and futurist architecture, trying to blur the boundary there. Yeah. But they're also very, very informed by social politics sure. and revolution. Mm -hmm. and so the city itself is kind of really clearly mapped out in terms of architecture as well as social spaces mm -hmm. and how those map up. Brilliant. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I could go on for a long time about Well, we could just talk about Fritz Lang, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. But, uh, so the other thing I would yeah. mention is like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari yeah. at yeah. the same time is just um, an amazingly creepy movie. It There's is. There's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I once had, to veer onto the more recent um, memory side, I recently, I think two years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Walt Disney Hall, hmm. designed by Frank Gehry. Again, I, I mentioned that because I'm an architecture yeah. nerd. Um, to see uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari projected in the Symphony Hall with a uh, an organist who is an expert in the history of organ composition. And so similarly to the way that Caligari would have originally been presented, mm -hmm. he improvised the score using none less than the types of chords and transitions that were known to have been used at the time. That's amazing experience. That is, yeah. You have no idea how much I geeked out no, no, on that. I, I was like in one of my favorite buildings, watching one of my favorite films with this kind of uh, orchestral improvisation right. going on. So it's it like back a history lesson yeah, as well. Absolutely. How cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay, that's old films. I know. I should probably just jump forward to some more <laughs> modern stuff. Um, okay, no, these, are your, these are your favorites. So you just I know, be, but I can't go on for forever because then you're gonna have to like kill me. Um, <laughs> so to haunted get me houses. To shut up. Um, oh, so haunted houses. Mm -hmm. So horror movies. I love haunted house yeah. movies, but it's there aren't a lot of good haunted house movies. Like I, arguably, recent ones might include uh, the Orphanage. El Mm. Yeah, it's a Spanish film. It's brilliant. Somebody picked that for their favorite uh, horror movie or scary it's, movie. It's yeah. a good one. Mm -hmm. If I'd been thinking harder, I would have mentioned it mm -hmm. too. But um, did you like House on Haunted Hill, the original Vincent Price? That's a cheesy pleasure. It is. It's a guilty yeah. pleasure. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a favorite horror. Okay, film. that would fall into like the guilty pleasure Got category. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a great. I don't know if anybody even knows about it. A movie called The Spiral Staircase. Oh yeah, absolutely. With Dorothy McGuire. With, yeah. Have you seen that? Absolutely. I've, I've seen it with my uh, my mom. That's one of her. Uh, she she loves that movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. It's, I'm so glad somebody else has heard oh, yeah. of it. I, yeah. Uh, it's super creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. I wish I could. See, uh, I don't have 
like a copy of it or anything. I think I'm I have it on DVD, DVD but yeah. that doesn't mean I can watch it. You know? <laughs> I, it's on TCM like usually every few months. So yeah. yeah. Are you like paid by TCM? Uh, <laughs> that is one of the few stations I, I religiously oh, okay. watch and because you're always going to get amazing stuff oh, like the spiral staircase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I adore that movie. Dorothy McGuire was amazing in that. She is. And imagine, so the, uh, the end of that movie, um, has a lot of things that I don't like about movies like mm. exposition, like, a really like deliberate exposition where you should be able to figure this out on your own if you sure. trust the audience. But it, it worked somehow. It worked for me in that movie. And then Dorothy McGuire's last scene, um, where she's uh, been a, a, a mute mm-hmm. up to that yeah. point, and it's um, uh, yeah, and then she has to go through this huge emotional and psychological transformation in one shot standing in place and everything is in her face when she's got the phone up to her ear and so much happens, but she barely moves a muscle in her face. It's an amazing shot. Yeah. Great actress. Yeah. Um, so that one in the haunting, the original. Oh, absolutely. Uh, That's a great one. What's her name? I I can't think of her name right now, but yeah, yeah. It came out in 1963. Um, yeah. British actress, I believe. I have no idea her name, but I'll let you look that up. Yeah, so. <laughs> but no, that's um, a great one. I was I was gonna say the haunting. Yeah, but that one again, lots of shadows and nooks and corners. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's living or gonna appear out of any of them. Um, Psycho, another great use of creepy black and white, but more modern. So yeah, that's the my number and one. Psycho yeah. are more recent films that deliberately used black and white for different uh, means. Uh-huh. Um, Psycho is also great because the architecture says so much about the psychological makeup of the characters and the movie itself. Mm -hmm. Like you have this brooding house over this motel that means it's just, it could be any motel anywhere. But as soon as she sees, as soon as you have that first like orienting shot where you see the house, you know, it's not just any motel. Sure. And there's, and the way that the mother is represented without ever having been seen and the windows suddenly become her eyes. That's right. And I think that goes a long way to convincing the uninitiated that there is actually a real presence. That movie creating the presence of the mother until the... Oh, very, yeah. There's that buildup. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, a lot of it's architectural. So um, go Going back to the track. haunting. So uh, Julie Harris and Claire Bloom. Right. Is, yeah. Are the other stars. So. Yeah. That's a great movie. Good movie. Um, what am I saying? We're right on par. Like Young Frankenstein, Psycho, yeah. and Dracula are in my top five. So. Did you do any Psycho Bitty movies? I, you know, I almost. I, what about Baby Jane? That's yeah, yeah. I almost did that one, but yeah, it's, yeah. So I have to throw in whatever happened to Baby Jane because if yeah. you ever because there are the color stills. Yeah. Because it, I guess it was was it. It was produced in color, and then they changed it to black and white. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, thank goodness that they did because the makeup was so caked on in those production. Oh yeah. Uh, stills. Uh-huh. I you know I think it would have it, it already comes across as like a camp classic. Sure. But if it were, it'd be more distracting. I think. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it would have been because there are psycho bitty films that are in color mm-hmm. that. I can't help but always compare back to whatever happened to Baby Jane. Sure. And that's just such a brilliantly done. So there's going to be a miniseries that was advertised during the Super Bowl yeah. based on Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. So I'm I looking know. forward to that. It's on FX. The, ca- the casting is going to be amazing, but it's by the same guy, uh, same creative guy that 
uh, created American Horror Story. Oh, Which is like yeah. a series that I constantly want to like, mm-hmm. and I want it to be better, but it is such garbage. <laughs> it's just... It's that's a guilty pleasure, yeah. but for all of the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. it's. I'll give it really a shot because I love both those actresses. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. series. So yeah. I'm I'm hoping that he pays a little bit more attention to structural yeah. narrative structure than he does in his other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, The Magician. Um, mm. So Ingmar Bergman films, mm-hmm. Seventh. Uh, what is it Seventh Seal? Seventh. Mm. Seventh Seal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. That is amazing, mm-hmm. I, um, iconic imagery. But for my taste, I actually like uh, possibly a lesser-known film of his called The Magician, where Max von Sydow uh, is kind of this traveling mountebank with a family, and they're um, they're stopped at a border because they've been reported as mm-hmm. frauds, mm-hmm. and they end up having to prove that um, like the grandmother is actually a witch, and that the person who claims to be a magician is actually a magician that the potions work and everything. Mm. And there is this uh, final scene where they've been brought up to like the Burgermeister to prove their powers. Um, and a lot happens and I, I'm really oversimplifying it because this is a movie that you should really see. But a lot happens in the last scene that is just beautiful and horrifying and really uses shadow, mm. um, and it becomes a, a really effective psychological horror film yeah. in like the last act. Um, and I don't know if that's where you necessarily think it's going to go. And when it does, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. So, did you really get into Ingmar Bergman and Fellini and and all the? Not so much Fellini, okay. but Bergman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I've never gotten into Fellini. I need to be exposed. I've never. Yeah. Kind of jumped ship that way, mm-hmm. which is funny because a lot of my favorite directors are heavily influenced by Fellini, mm-hmm. and if I'm a movie nerd at all, yeah, uh, I should know more about like that vein right. of cinematic history. Mm-hmm. Um, just haven't been exposed. Right. They're they're kind of like the upper echelon, kind of like how you have people that are very intellectual. You know, if they read certain books and everything, those mm-hmm. are kind of like the intellectual movie uh, directors that, that everyone, you go to film school to, to yeah, learn yeah, about. Yeah. I just, I couldn't, I've seen the films and I just, maybe I just was too young to really appreciate, hmm. you know, the, but I have to go back and rewatch all that. And I have stuff. to jump into it, like, just to get, like, oriented. Yeah. I mean, it, Quickly look at my list and see yeah, if there's anything running out of time, absolutely but yeah. have to. Uh, Gaslight, another great oh, psychological horror yeah. film. Yeah. Probably could have been a Hitchcock movie, movie but yeah. it's not. Yeah. yeah. Really, especially with yeah. that, the the looming presence upstairs. Oh, so good. Very cool. Yeah. Ingrid Bergman's good and everything. So. And it's so it's so great how they twist it back and forth. Like, is she going crazy? Yeah. Is he really the bad guy? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and so I believe because the audience ends up getting gaslighted. Oh, totally! If it works well, it's yeah. the audience who gets gaslighted. And it, I think it was Angela Lansbury's uh, it movie was. debut. Yeah, yeah, she's a sassy little <laughs> um, maid. That's right. She's brilliant in it. Oh, she is. Yeah. Um, Arsenic and old lace for comedy. Great one. Mm-hmm. Such good lines. Yeah. Such good writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing off of characters from Universal Studios films. So even though I saw Arsenic and Old Lace as a kid, yeah, I totally got it on that level at least. Yeah. Yeah, and Cary Grant. He's right, good. he was in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's great, He's great in everything. Such an amazing comic actor. He could do anything. He could do serious, yeah. he could do suspenseful, and he also could do uh, you know, like screwball comedies. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I have a bunch more on the list, but I'm and I mentioned I mentioned Wings of Desire when we were talking about romance films, so uh-huh. I'm going to skip to one more Eraserhead. <laughs> yeah, the perfect midnight movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we if gotta, you haven't seen it, you got to see it. David Lynch's uh, first masterpiece, eclipsed only possibly by Mulholland Drive. Okay, for this week week's episode, Gwen is back, which she's a mainstay. She's here every week. But then we have a new guest, so it's Juan. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> so, I think you'll have a good time because Gwen's saying you're a huge movie fan, you're a film buff, so yeah. this is right up your alley. I think he's more of a film critic. Film he critic? has like critic. the credentials. I did major in film, but... <laughs> well, then you should be hosting the show, not me. So. But for this week's episode, we're going to talk about our favorite black and white movies. Now, my top five, which you will hear eventually when it's published, um, I didn't just pick movies because you know they were just black and white because there was no other choice they had to kind of have a theme like they actually benefited from being in black and white uh so you'll have to hear my top five eventually when it's published so i won't give anything away but maybe you'll pick something i had but we'll start with gwen this week and uh what is name one of your favorite black and white movies okay one of them that i have to say that is notable is psycho that's my number one pick. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yes. Maybe I should have done a quiz on you. You maybe should have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the reason is because, of course, the famous shower scene. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that with the shower scene, it preceded that genre of using blood to try to captivate the audience, mm-hmm. whereas in the shower scene for Psycho, they actually used chocolate. Right instead of real blood and plus it was in black and white so it had a you know a different kind of meaning it did to it than you know these days when all of this blood and gore is often used Mm -hmm. um sometimes too much yeah (laughs) but what's interesting is that recently the um sundance film festival they had this film called 7852 Mm -hmm. and it's named for the 78 setups and 52 cuts just on that shower scene. Right. Um, and I haven't seen it, but I'm interested in seeing it. But they basically analyze just these, like, few seconds, you know, this shower scene right. to death. Mm-hmm. And so they... No pun intended. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or pun wasn't dead. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's great because they interview, like, movie directors uh-huh. and... Um, historians just on that specific scene right yeah so I would say Psycho is the most notable one Mm -hmm. um, which leads me to another film that I've talked about before which is Kill Bill okay so remember um, in a previous podcast um, we talked about how Kill Bill in that film Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. used black and white um, for a variety of reasons, um, and this was for the specific battle scene. Okay. Do you remember that battle scene? Um, in the very beginning, um, it was... Um, so this, this isn't a true black and white movie, though. Well, it has elements of black and white. Well, that's fine. You could, you could have picked The Wizard of Oz, too, if you wanted to. But. Yeah, but I think it's um, great because Quentin Tarantino, um, he... 
the reason why he had to put it in black and white because mm-hmm. of the MPAA. Right. There was just too much blood because yeah. he used I don't know how many gallons of blood for that film. Well, it's but, almost like Psycho. I don't think it would have got. It would have been. It would have been adjusted a lot if it was in color. Oh yeah, especially yeah. during that time period because yeah. it was. It came out what sixties. Sixties, yeah. yeah. So, um, but with Quentin Tarantino, he used Hershey's chocolate syrup. The same as Hitchcock. Not the same chocolate, uh-huh. but a different brand. Oh, oh okay. But he still <laughs> used chocolate syrup. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think with Kill Bill, it's also a homage to the widescreen. Sure. Um, maybe perhaps part of that black and white genre, but definitely, you know, the old kung fu samurai uh-huh. kind of black and white film. So um, I think that's my top two. Top, top two. Because of the use of black and white mm-hmm. now as a device yeah. to to sort of like strengthen, you know, a particular scene mm-hmm. rather than just using all this, you know, effects mm-hmm. with like blood or... Well, I think for Psycho, especially like the house, you know, the, the, Bates, the Bates mansion or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, that kind of went a creepiness factor to it, you know, like when exactly. he finds her... her uh, skeleton in, in the uh, in the closet wherever it was um or just yeah it just i think black and white added a lot to that particular film right. where i it was still been creepy in color but not the same like, exactly yeah. exactly so. um and juan was just telling yeah. me that there's what a oh bates motel yes a contemporary prequel right to psycho yeah and now uh, right now in their last season they're doing their sort of take of psycho mm-hmm and so, do you, is, are you an avid watcher of that? Or? No, I'm really behind. Okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> I've seen, like, the first two seasons, and then, unfortunately, things just kind of, like, not loss of interest, just loss mm-hmm. of time. Right. And but then other shows Netflix. come out. Yes, that's right. That's why you know. Is it in black and white, or is it in color? No, it's in color. Okay. And how do you feel about it being in color? Does it well, I, give a different Look who's vibe? taking over the podcast now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> creepiness with Bates Motel is not really on the visuals it's more about like the characters and the acting Norma Bates really gives off this really um, control of controlling vibe and you're just like oh that's just so creepy and then his relationship with the mother is just really disturbing yeah yeah absolutely I mean, they I mean, capture it well mm-hmm. but yeah it's less visual more narrative okay exactly mm-hmm. all right so what are your favorite black and white Films. Unfortunately, I did not know I had to pick five. No, you don't have to pick five. Just say, name your name like one or two or so one. <laughs> my, I guess, top would be Sunset Boulevard. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, something about film noir, black yeah. and white. It's just great. The it way, has to be that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like black and white. I mean, sorry, let me just think about did what I'm saying. Did you notice that he used? Um, black and white film noir. Yeah. See a special term that. Well, <laughs> no, genre that, that is a genre of film. But he's I, using the technical. But it's true because um, film noir, I think, lends itself to the shadows and the way it's lit yeah, and exactly. the darkness of it. And I think you I mean, know you see influences of it today. Yeah. But exactly. like, it's not the same. It's not the same as yeah. in black and white, where you really can't tell right. what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So the so-called right. like neo noir, like you know, you have your Chinatowns and uh, right. um, L.A. Confidential, oh, Sin City, Sin City, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But, I wish I was talking about that. Yeah, too. that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think really in the 30s and the 40s and into the 50s, exactly. those yeah. uh, those film noir black and white movies, right. are, they have a certain. They wouldn't be the same if they were in color. Right. So yeah, but Sunset okay, Boulevard, yeah, All right, Sunset Sorry. Boulevard, which is a terrific, terrific film. Oh, I 
love Norma Desmond. Yeah. The yeah. way she just castrates Joe throughout mm-hmm. the whole film. She, it's true. Uh, uh, there's something about that that uh, topic about film noir about men feeling threatened by these femme fatales. Right. I don't know. I just find that so interesting about how guys are just like, no, you can't take, you can't castrate me. Right. I'm a man. <laughs> well, it's hey, kind of it's my, like the Kill Bill. It is like it's, Kill Bill. Well, my number three pick was Double Indemnity, oh, which that's is a great also film. exactly and one of the, and Barbara Stanwyck is the ultimate femme fatale in that, and kind of does the same thing to Fred McMurray, who um, up until that point I had only watched like that was a mind professor, and, and he was like this wholesome mm-hmm. um, dad, but then you see him kind of fall for this woman who basically leads him to commit murder so right. she, he can collect this uh this insurance so uh, yeah no sunset boulevard is a great one any what other ones you... oh well sin city okay yeah what's yeah. a more modern sin city great you know the fact uh, oh my god what's his name bruce willis no uh the director i'm totally blanking <sighs> let's see uh robert Rodriguez. yeah there we go yes Yes, the fact that you know he decided you know to just adapt this graphic novel yeah. straight from the pages to film, mm-hmm. and the way that he uses color in that film, it just like really pops out. It does, yeah. Like with Alexa Bledel and her blue eyes, or uh, what's her name, the character Nico, where you see just mm-hmm. glimpses of the red. Yeah. Like the way the black and white is just used is really great because the blood is just like, you know, it's never too gory. It's just. Like it just like listens and like mm-hmm. illumin- yeah. it's illuminated. Mm-hmm. It looks really great. Just like Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and Kill Bill. I don't know about Psycho, but, <laughs> but it's like illuminated. Like, it's really bright. Just yeah. how it's like this white contrasted against right. this black gum. Yeah. These costumes. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys. And so, Juan, you have to be on the podcast every week now because okay. you're back, and I have to use your knowledge. And uh, right. I'll give you more uh, we or more uh, prep time next time. Okay. So, like, yeah, Gwen sure. just hijacked you today. So yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank it was you guys. A it was. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who agreed to be on the podcast. I always love your interviews. The show would not be as good without you. Now, I had a few other black and white movies that didn't make my top five list, but I think were worth mentioning. Uh, Clerks, which is Kevin Smith's directorial debut, um, that is in black and white. It came out in the early 90s. I believe it was 1993 or 1994. And it was really unique at the time. It was almost like a documentary about Clerks working at a convenience store and a video store. And it's really kind of got that gritty, grainy look that I don't think uh, the the film would have been as good if if it was in color. So the black and white kind of adds the charm to it. Um, a Hard Day's Night, which was the first Beatles movie. And I, you know, every other Beatles movie uh, progressively got worse, um, even though Help is entertaining. Nothing really beat the original Beatles. And it kind of added that aura of when they first came out. Obviously, they were on Ed Sullivan. That's in black and white. Um, so I think seeing the Beatles in black and white, and especially their, mo- you know, their movie, um, really kind of adds some charm to it. And then lastly, Raging Bull from 1980. Another modern day movie that I think some of the grit and and the moodiness and the the um, you know kind of the the down and dirty nature of Jake LaMotta really benefits from being black and white and I think Scorsese was really smart in making Raging Bull in black and white. All right, now it's time for the plugs.
You got to go to iTunes. Even if you don't leave an actual review, if you have an iTunes account, please go there and rate the show. Hopefully five stars. The more ratings we get, the higher in the algorithm we will be. And then everyone can hear this terrific show, if I don't say so myself. All right, so please go to iTunes. It would help us out. If you don't have an iTunes account or you don't use Apple products, you could always go to Podbean. That's where this show is hosted. And you can go to damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. You can also check out Facebook. So if you never want to miss a show update, you can go there. You can also post fun things if you like. And then you can also check out YouTube. All right, until next week, this is Brian signing off. I love you, dreaming black and white.